Hi, I'm Sam Hawley, coming to you from the lands of the Gadigal people. This is ABC News Daily. Imagine for a second what it would be like not to have a home this Christmas or to not have enough food to feed your family. That's the reality for a growing number of Australians faced with the massive increase in costs. In Sydney, Reverend Bill Cruz provides three meals a day for the less fortunate and will help feed thousands, including many children, on Christmas Day. After 50 years working in the field, today he discusses the changing face of poverty in Australia. We're at the site of the Reverend Bill Cruz Foundation in Ashfield. Mm-hmm. Yes. And what do they do here at this restaurant? Here we prepare um, 1,400 to, to, to 1,600 meals every day. Oh my gosh. Cook it's a and lot. prepare. A lot. <laughs> I've come in and look. All right. This is the kitchen where it's all done. So you can see that um, it's flat okay. out. We have the big steam ovens, yep. so we can prepare everything. What are they cooking up today, Bill? Looks like a stew, is it? What are you doing today? Veal casserole. Oh, veal casserole. Veal Looks good. It's, it's, <laughs> this, we're getting ready now for, for lunch here. Yep, yep. Breakfast has been served, and um, you can see we've got the bay-marie, so they yep. can scoop it out into the plate. Yeah. I'm Reverend Bill Cruz and I kind of try to <laughs> try to run uh, an entity, an amoeba called the Reverend Bill Cruz Foundation. And you feed the poor and a lot of them. We, we try to feed people. We, we've, we've morphed from feeding the homeless to feeding the hungry. How many people do you feed a day? And how has that, just give, give me a sense of how that has changed, the number has increased over the time. Before the pandemic, or say at the beginning of the year of the pandemic, we'd be doing maybe 400 meals and we had one food van. Now, almost three years later, we're doing at least 1,600 meals a day. We've got five food vans and we're in 17 locations and we've got one, two, three, four loaves and fishes restaurants. Bang, mm. just exploded. Now, some of that is because um, we've moved to other locations, extra locations, because we've been asked to move there because the agency or whatever has closed down. Some of it is just the increasing numbers of people coming. But we've quadrupled our business, call it, in um, three years. Because you've been doing this, Bill, what, since the 1970, 1971? Yeah. I mean... 50 years. Yeah. 50 years. 50 years. Such a very long time. Over those decades, through the 70s, through the 80s, through the 90s, etc., what have you seen change in terms of homelessness? I mean, can you... I mean, it's probably a big question, right? Well, the biggest change is... um, It's... 
the the biggest change is in the 70s people were either homeless or not you know you had you had a lot of still a lot of the the traumatized world war 2 veterans who were on the streets a lot of that you had a lot of homeless kids kids who um um had um who were adopted who had been given back and and kids in institutions and all of that. So that if a kid was homeless, it was snapped up and put in an institution. If a, a person was homeless, they'd be on the streets. Nowadays, it's much greyer than that. Mm. So that there's a lot of people couch surfing. There's a lot of sharing accommodation. There's a lot of people... There's a lot of movement, whereas before there was a definite A and B. Mm. And what are you seeing in terms of the people that come to eat here? Are they, are they changing, the sort of people that are coming now? Well, you get the core. You get a core that doesn't really change over the decades. But you get more and more people who would say, oh, I've walked past this place for years and never thought I'd be here, and here I am. That's common. A lot of women, a lot of women escaping domestic violence, mm -hmm. just um, just turning up they've managed to get away and then they look around and they think gosh gosh do I have to go back so it's difficult just difficult mm. and the work that you do you get a sense don't you much sooner than governments in fact of the societal problems we are a barometer of society mm. so that um, if there was a an increase in young people's unemployment they'd be eating in our restaurant. Mm -hmm. If it was single women unemployed, they'd be eating in our restaurant. If it was people with one arm <laughs> unemployed, you'd have an, a restaurant full of one-armed people. So we're a, a tremendous barometer of what's going on in society. And in lots of ways, governments kind of ignore that because they, they want to deal with what society believes so that often... Um, what we see isn't what society wants to believe is actually going on. You once fed the homeless, now you feed the hungry. What does that mean? Well, it kind of began in a lots of ways. It was starting before COVID, but then exploded during that because there are pockets of people who firstly just don't earn enough money to get through. So they have to work out whether it's kids' uniforms or meals mm. or, you know, medicine or meals. So people started coming to us before the pandemic. But then during the pandemic, it exploded. And they end up with us because there's nowhere else to go because we decided we were not closing down. We had four stages of lockdown from serving sandwiches from the side of the road in a truck to uh, being fully open. We'd worked it out so we could do that. And because of that, people we were the people of last resort, so they just flooded here. Mm, because they were hungry, basically. Hungry? Hungry and with the bum out of their trousers, you mm. know? Nothing. They had nothing. Nothing. Mm. Nothing. So that... Um, and you think, how can society leave people like that? Mm. But it does. And you see there's a class and a group of people who 
constantly and consciously get left out. And so we then started to really target those people. And who, Bill, do you blame for that? Well, over years, uh, 50 years ago, in a way you could make governments feel guilty because I could get up and I could say, oh, look, you know, (laughs) this person really needs help, really needs help. All I need is the government to do this. And they'd give it to me to shut me up, you Mm -hmm. know. Nowadays they punch back. They just punch back. What do you mean by that? They just they don't feel guilty anymore? They have no guilt? No. No, they have no guilt. They have no guilt. You see, and in lots of ways, they've turned compassion into a job. So they say, oh, that's not our job anymore. We've outsourced it to so-and-so or outsourced it to so-and-so. Don't blame us, blame them. One of the difficulties as well is that... Um, Governments are, are treating well. I hate calling it welfare. People are tra- treating welfare like a business. Mm. So people like us uh, look for support, which is also given to agencies which work for profit to do this work. So that I, th- I think there's a there's there's going to be a, a need a reckoning of um, what loving compassion is all about, whether it's a job or whether it's a mission. Mm. Tell me, how does it run financially, the mix Um, of...? We basically run on people's donations. I go out, most of the people I see beg for money and we beg for money too. Mm. So most of it comes from kind people giving us money. Mm. Um, A lot of people during the pandemic, what really moved me was a lot of pensioners, when they got that extra payment, would send it to us. Mm. So, you know, it's those people that, the people who help one another. Like, the moving thing for me is, you know, a a woman and a couple of kids will turn up and they'll have a plastic bag full of tinned food to give to someone and a woman and a couple of kids will turn up who need it. So they'll just hand it over. That's ideally what we do. Bill, we know the financial pressures next year for Australians are going to get worse. We've been told that, so we're expecting it. So what does that look like for you and what you do? Are you expecting that more and more people are going to need help from you? Oh, we know that. Mm. We know more people are going to need help and more people in surprising areas. Mm. Like it's... it doesn't hit like you think. Bill, what does Christmas look like this year? Here on this site in Ashfield, we've got thousands turn up and um, we'll have a, a, a big, big uh, celebration. And a lot of people will be here because it's too painful to be anywhere else. And that's what I'm always aware of. There was one mother comes here and she said, you know... I can't, I can't, I, I don't know what to do on Christmas Day. And I said, come here, come here and be part of what we do. And there'll be a lot of people here whose kids are with the ex somewhere. They come here because um, we are the family they would love 
to have at this time. Mm. So that gives them a bit of hope that maybe one day it'll happen. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Thank you. Get me crying. Reverend Bill Cruz runs the Exodus Foundation, which provides free meals to thousands of homeless and disadvantaged Australians every week, including on Christmas Day. According to the latest Australian Homelessness Monitor, in the past four years, there was a 27% increase in people seeking help at homelessness services because they could no longer afford to rent. This episode was produced by Flint Duxfield and Chris Dengate, who also did the mix. The ABC News Daily team will be taking a break from next week and will be back on the 23rd of January. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we'll be replaying some of the best episodes of the year, so please keep tuning in. I'm Sam Hawley. Thanks for your company throughout the year. See you in 2023. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.